if you start going into negotiations, structuring things, you know, to earn a small wad of cash, but then you can't perform well, you are doing yourself more harm than good. This is why it's so important to lead negotiations with data, because now you have data, you have a reason, and you have logic to negotiate a higher amount in that deal. Welcome back to On the Horizon. This is Melrose Michaels. I am your host, and I'm here to share what's worked for me in building my adult creator business to try to make building yours just a little bit easier. Let's get into today's episode. Who misses free and affordable ads without the anti-sex work rhetoric? Assembly 4 is a team of sex workers and technologists from Melbourne, Australia, aiming to bring back free and fair advertising to the sex work community. They also give back to organizations based in harm reduction, sex work, and education. Stepping away from the clunky design of traditional platforms, their platform, Trist.link, is a refreshing and well-needed change in both presentation and mission. It's free to join and open to all. In the words of an A4 user, from the policies to the language to the advice and tips, it makes such a big difference to feel supported and encouraged instead of policed. Hello, everyone. Love seeing it. Thank you for coming back week after week. Today, I want to focus our space all around the art of negotiation. I have been told personally on multiple occasions now that this is a skill that I'm particularly strong at. And I do want to share some of the approaches I've used when negotiating various things in my adult content creator career. The art of negotiation to me is really an essential skill that every content creator should master. In today's really fast paced digital world, the ability to negotiate effectively can really determine the success of your collaborations, of your sponsorship deals, and even growth opportunities. We'll explore kind of the art of negotiation for content creators and provide practical tips and strategies that you can use to secure better deals, collaborations, and opportunities. I really try to not just talk about the philosophy and the, you know, razzle-dazzle or like motivational, inspirational stuff. I do include a little bit of that because I do think it's important, but I always want to make these spaces very tangible and tactical where you can actually take the information, go put it in practice the next time that situation arises and benefit from it. So that being said, the most important part of what I want to touch on is the importance of terms. So most creators focus really heavily on the financial aspect of negotiations, as in what is the monetary amount that they stand to gain. However, the most important part of any negotiation isn't about controlling the money, but rather the term. And if there's anything that you take away from today's space, please, please, please take that single piece of information. So to highlight this, the importance of terms, I want to consider a brand that we're probably all really familiar with. So Rihanna's makeup brand, Fenty, is actually a partnership with a company called LVMH. They're a massive company with lots of retailers like Sephora, etc. And Rihanna structured the terms of her Fenty deal so that she was only paid $10 to do the deal, which for her is probably pocket change. But she negotiated ownership of 50% of the company. So that single deal, because of how she structured it, makes up 80% of her $1.8 billion net worth. Now, in contrast, to really highlight the importance of this and, and why I think it's really interesting, you can consider that deal structure compared to Michael Jordan's, who negotiated to do his Jordan shoe deal 
and agree to 5% royalties on each shoe sold. Now that probably sounds at first, you know, thought like, okay, that's a pretty good deal. 5% of everything sold. Obviously we all know Jordans have sold for lots of money all the time for many years, but in 2022, the brand did 5.1 billion in revenue, not Michael Jordan, the brand, his Jordan shoe brand. And that only earned him a measly $256.1 million. Now, these numbers are abstract, so I'm going to put this in perspective a little bit. If he had structured his deal more similarly to how Rihanna had structured hers with Fenty, he would have earned tens of billions of dollars. So to put this in simple terms, Air Jordan shoes, which have been around since 1984, earned Jordan about 14% yearly of what Rihanna earns off of her Fenty brand deal. And her company has only been around since 2017. This is why the terms are so much more important than the initial amount of money offered in a deal. Because the real money is made on the terms, not the check that's written when you shake hands with someone. Most multimillionaires and most billionaires earn their money off the terms of the deals they structure. And you should be approaching deals the same exact way. If you're enjoying this podcast episode so far, please take one moment to share it with another one of your adult content creator friends, because you know what the rule is here. We do not gatekeep, and we want to make as many adult creators' businesses as easy as possible. And you sharing this episode with them might do exactly that. Thanks so much in advance. Now, imagine in mainstream adult industry, so in mainstream porn, if you had a choice of not getting paid your flat rate to shoot, but instead being paid 1% of every view or a certain percentage of every clip sale, or a certain percentage of subscriptions to whatever that studio's website is, that would have earned you a lot more money than whatever that flat rate was to shoot. And this is the reason that they, you know, mainstream industry porn, production studios, etc. that's why they don't opt to run their businesses this way. It's because it benefits them more not to. And the average performer is usually very happy to make and take that $1,000 flat for their day of work instead of negotiating something different. And given this industry has changed a lot over the years and structuring a deal about content you shoot with a production company which has all the leverage compared to you, the performer, who you know could honestly be easily replaced. There's a lot of very eager performers trying to you know climb their way into the mainstream porn industry. But this is just to illuminate the difference of when you're going into a negotiation, what you should be seeking versus what you're typically used to accepting. And that's just all I'm trying to highlight here. So before I get into more of the practical applications and tips for negotiation, I wanna highlight one last idea. This aligns with focusing on terms rather than the short-term payout because it's a lesson in waiting for long-term payoff over the short-term win. So the longer you can wait for gratification, the better the gratification is. You can apply this to pretty much anything in life, you will also see this is kind of an issue for majority of people because we just aren't willing to wait for things. It's why most diets fail. It's why most people aren't disciplined about going to the gym. You can apply this to so many segments of just everyday life because people can't wait to delay gratification long enough to benefit from their hard work, you know, a year from now, five years from now, 10 years from now. We all live in a world that's very instant gratification based. You know, we get dopamine hints, hits and in, in likes on pictures and we swipe right for Tinder and all of these things are instant, instant gratification. And it's taught us that if we don't get what we want right now, that we should just abandon it. 
In a previous Twitter space, I spoke kind of about the same idea, but under the different topic of branding. So I mentioned that if you can't do something forever, then don't do it at all. And this idea kind of stems from the reality that the best things in life do take time and gratification needs to be delayed long enough to benefit from it. You can't build big, meaningful things overnight. Amazon, for most of you who don't know this, it used to actually be an online book retailer. The company was founded in 1994 by Bezos, obviously, and he delayed gratification 29 years to be where he is now. That's almost three decades. And now he gets to build penis rockets because he's one of the wealthiest men on the planet. Not that he's someone to idolize, but you get the idea of waiting and delaying gratification to get the outcome you want. It's a really important piece of, of business and of life if you want something that's really meaningful. So to wait for gratification in waiting for things to pay off, basically to wait for anything in life because good shit, no matter what it is going to be, it's going to take time. Now let's get into kind of what you guys actually came here for because I'm sure it wasn't just the philosophy side of it, but the practical actual tips and tricks. I'm going to talk about strategies and examples that you're going to understand so that if you encounter these kinds of things as a creator, you kind of know how to approach them. So one example where you might need to negotiate is when you're attempting to sell something to a fan, like a custom video, for example, and maybe they feel the price is too high. So therefore you negotiate. Another good example that you could run into where you need to negotiate is when an adult company wants to work with you, say as an ambassador to their platform, product, or service. And then finally, the third example I'm going to reference as we go through the rest of the space is that if you're in a position with a company in which, you know, they've contacted you to get involved to say sell a product or sell a service, we're going to talk about how when you're selling a physical product as well as a digital product, how you can either structure and sorry, structure commissions or affiliate deals. So these are kind of three examples that I'm going to reference. And I want you to keep in mind as we go through this next portion and section, because I'm going to use those examples to help illustrate these ideas really clearly in your mind. So first, the first and most crucial part of negotiating is being incredibly self-aware of your actual worth and value. When I say this, this isn't me saying like the mantra, like know your worth, because yes, of course, know your worth. But this is actually on the idea of cold, hard data, factual evidence to demonstrate your worth. I cannot tell you how many creators go into detail or into deals thinking because, you know, they have 1 million Instagram followers that they deserve big, lucrative deals on things when the reality is that maybe they're shadow banned or their audience is really unengaged. And if they were to try to sell something to said audience, less than 0.001% of their followers might actually purchase it. And to put that into you know plain terms, that's 10 people. So you have to be very realistic and have an actual self-awareness of your brand power and how you can move money when going into a deal. These deals that I've, or there are deals, I guess I should say, that I've entirely declined because when I realistically looked at my audience, I knew that that product or service wouldn't resonate. And if I had negotiated a really strong de- you know, deal that made me a lot of money, but then I made no sales for that company because I wasn't realistic about my brand power, not only is my reputation tarnished, but now I have to track or track or have a track record of a failure, which hurts me for future negotiations. A really great tactic in negotiating is being able to point to the last thing you did or negotiated and show how successful it was. And if you start going into negotiations, structuring things, you know, to earn, you know, a small wad of cash, but then you can't perform well for your end of the obligation, you are doing yourself more harm than good. 
So this is why it's so important to lead negotiations with data and help have a strong self-awareness of your actual brand and don't lead this negotiation or any negotiation with ego. Ego will say, you worked really hard. You've been doing this for 10 years. You have X amount of followers on all these platforms. Between all your platforms, you have over multi million followers, blah, blah, blah. Okay, but the real thing that should drive negotiations is data. How much of my audience is engaged? If I put something out there, how many of them are actually going to go purchase it? How strong is my brand? If I decide to show up to an event, how many people are going to come to see me? You need an actual self-awareness and actual data on what your brand power is, not just leading these things with ego and kind of like what you look like on paper, because that's not going to translate. So an example, do I want to be paid like $5,000 to show up at an expo to take pics, sign autographs, whatever? Sure. Of course I do. Because that's my ego talking. But do I realistically think that at at that expo, I could sell more than $5,000 worth of tickets for fans strictly coming to see me and take photos with me and get signings from me? Can I pull that kind of in-person audience at this point in my career? No. Realistically, I do not think I can. So why would I ask for that? A fundamental key to structuring good deals is that both parties are going to walk away happy and everything genuinely feels mutually beneficial. This is how you build lucrative long-term relationships. And that is really the point of the game. So with that being said, I want to run with this topic of knowing your value. So understanding your worth as a content creator is crucial in any negotiation. You're going to consider factors like your audience size, your power to move an audience to other platforms, in-person events, what kind of audience you can attract and actually have show up at those events, or your power to drive behavior, such as purchasing something. Also, you're going to be mindful of your engagement rate, your niche expertise, and the quality of your content. The more you recognize your genuine, quantifiable value, the more confident you'll be going into negotiating better deals and better collaborations. So this is really where my first tip is going to come into play. Every creator, in my opinion, should be on the platform called Shoutout Express. We're going to link that here at the top of the space. This is a shoutout platform where creators can basically purchase social media shoutouts and OnlyFans shoutouts from other creators. Although that is not really why I'm on there, (laughs) nor is it why I think you should be on there. The reason to be on this platform for me is, yeah, one, to figure out the market value of your shoutout on your socials. Yes. And selling a few shoutouts to kind of figure out how many followers you are driving to a new creator when they purchase their shoutouts. Yes, you want to do that because that'll help you to price those future shout outs accurately. This is obviously a trial and error process until you've identified the market value of your story posts, your feed posts, your tweets, your OnlyFans posts, etc. But the real magic of being on this platform is that you have a public display of the value of your audience. I can't tell you how many companies have come to work with me and put things in the terms like promote X thing X many times per week on your Instagram story and your Instagram feed and tweet X many times per month, all for say $3,000. But when you actually go to my Shadow Express page and you do the math on how much an Instagram story costs, a feed store or a feed post costs or a tweet costs for even another creator to purchase from me, that usually far exceeds the $3,000 they're asking me to collaborate with them and do these promotions. So you can do the math on that, present it to them alongside your publicly available shout out express profile and say, if you want that type of promotion, this is the actual cost of it because now you have data, 
you have a reason and you have logic to negotiate a higher amount in that deal. So having a Shadow Express profile and in, 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 I guess being on their platform to me is way more of service in terms of a negotiating tool necessarily than shoutouts. Shoutouts as they stand now, I mean, unless you're going to try a hundred shoutouts, test them, track their, their usage. And if, you know, if you got gains or not, and then rinse and repeat, it can be a really long, tedious process in terms of driving traffic. There's better options coming down the pipeline for us for that in the future, but utilizing their platform, even if it's just in the single capacity to be able to point to it and negotiate off of those rates is a very, very powerful tool. So I highly recommend you get on that platform if you're not on it already. Another key area I think that creators tend to fail in negotiations is just in doing the basic research. So before entering any negotiation, research the party that you're going to be dealing with. Understand their goals, the objectives, the reputation in the industry. There is a quote I love, and I'm not sure who said it, but it states that, you only get one name. And that emphasizes the importance of reputation in this business. If you don't research a platform or a company or a product and you go and promote it, you've now tied up your name with a tarnished one. And this is very hard to come back from. It can take years even. So save yourself the pain and the setbacks to really just do the research and know who you're dealing with in business and what they do. There's a particular brand out there right now that I'm not going to name, but it's being widely promoted by creators even though they're not running their business correctly and they're also a little bit misleading. I probably see 10 to 15 creators in my timeline talking about the specific brand publicly. And while I'm not going to get into that in depth here today, I will be addressing it down the road. But this is why it's really important to know who you're getting in bed with, so to speak, because it pertains and it impacts and it will affect your business and also your trust with your audience, whether that be other creators or whether that be your fans whoever it is you're trying to sell or help or incentivize. Another part of this equation is going to be defining your goals and your desired outcomes before you start the negotiation process. So every deal you negotiate, you should have clear desired outcomes for each party to know what everyone's working towards and achieving. Having clear objectives will help you stay focused and also make better decisions and avoid being swayed by emotions or external pressures. A great tactic to use when negotiating a deal is that if you can clearly identify what the other party's desired outcome is, you can strengthen your pitch to them by speaking to what they want and not what you want. So for example, let's take this idea or this example of negotiating with a fan about the cost of a custom video. First off, let's set the term. This fan wants, say, a 10-minute custom video from me. It's a solo masturbation video, and those are their terms. Now, the first thing I'm going to do in response to that, say it's a DM message, is use a little bit of sales psychology to price anchor high. This isn't a negotiation tactic. This is just a sales tactic. So I might reply with something like, yes, babe, I would love to make that custom video moaning your name while I get off to the idea of you inside me. My custom videos run about $100 per minute. So a full 10-minute custom is going to be really expensive. That's like $1,000, hon. Now, (laughs) that price point is going to shock the fan tremendously. At this point, they're likely regretting even asking me about a custom video in general. So now I'm going to follow up my last message with the second message. But to be really honest with you, our our conversation up until now has been really fucking hot and it actually has me incredibly turned on. So maybe we can compromise on that. If you're willing to tip $4.99 now to lock in the custom so that I can come today, I'd be open to filming it half off for you. So now I have price anchored high, meaning... 
that my new price of $4.99 appears wildly reasonable to them. If I had told them that number out of the gate, that $4.99 price would have been still too high in their idea. But since I anchored the price at $1,000, now $4.99 seems incredibly reasonable by comparison. Let me be clear, that's not a negotiation tactic. Um, that's just a bit of sales psychology. And that trick alone has gotten me you know, an incredible amount of really quality customs. However, let's say that this fan still feels that's too much and we have to negotiate. This is where that tactic will come in. Maybe he responds with, that sounds like a really good deal, babe, but my budget is only $200. Now I know his max spend and I can negotiate down the terms of the video itself because ultimately terms are going to be more important than the price. So I'm going to reply with something like, ah, okay, I totally understand that you want to stay under a specific budget for this one. That's totally reasonable. That's step one, showing them that you validate and you understand them. And now you can pitch your new terms. So I would continue with something like, that's only enough for a two minute custom, unfortunately which isn't going to be long enough for me to actually come for you, babe. How about we do a five-minute solo masturbation video with me saying your name in it instead? So now I've set new terms. I've made $200 for five minutes of work, and I can always re-edit that name out and resell that custom if I choose to to other fans, depending how you run your custom business model. The idea being a part of negotiating that creators tend to overlook is this idea that if you're not getting your way, it's more important to get your way than to get the deal closed. So always remember that getting your way can also result in $0, whereas getting the deal closed results in some dollar amount, which is ultimately the goal. Doesn't mean necessarily go sell yourself short or sell something so low it's just not possible to produce at scale or deliver on what you're selling them, but be reasonable with your business because I know I can film a five-minute custom video and yeah, that's worth $200 of my to account for my time. Absolutely. Can I film a 10 minute custom video for $50? No, that's not worth my time. So if a fan can't pay $4.99 for their custom, am I going to be so stuck on that price point that I decline their offer for $200? No, because ego shouldn't drive my decisions. I'd absolutely choose $200 over $0 any day of the week. And I'm hoping a lot of you listening would feel that way as well. So remember, the goal in negotiating the deal is so that both parties walk away happy. That's going to lead to the long-term relationship and the long-term spending, which obviously takes us right into our next point, which is building relationships. Establishing a strong relationship with the other party can be key for successful negotiation. You never want to negotiate so hard that you damage the relationship. You quite literally accomplish nothing by doing that. In contrast, by building rapport, demonstrating genuine interest in their needs, and being empathetic, you'll create a positive atmosphere that fosters trust and collaboration. For this tactic, let's use the example of a company wanting you to be a brand ambassador for them. A lot of you who are listening to this probably know and are aware that I was a brand ambassador for a particular company for a few years before I went off um, and launched Sexwork CEO and did kind of my own thing. But few people know how I negotiated that arrangement. So spoiler alert, it's probably not what you think. <laughs> when I originally was approached to be a brand ambassador for this particular company, it was for a relatively small salary each month. So to give this context, it was about $3,000 a month. Not only was I their brand ambassador for that amount, but I was also their social media marketing manager at that time. So I ran their Instagram, their socials, their you know Snapchats, whatever it was, I was running their social marketing. Usually that role alone, the social media manager kind of role, would justify a salary of $3,000 or more. So 
that I was already doing, excluding the brand ambassador work on top of it that I was doing. So why would I have ever taken that deal? I'm obviously only getting paid enough to do their social media management. Why was I also their brand ambassador? And why didn't I negotiate a stronger deal? The answer? To build relationships. The reality is that when I was approached by them, I was a fairly small-sized creator, and I was not oblivious to that. Most people in this industry had no idea who I was, and my value wasn't in my rant, and it wasn't in my audience because I was so small and uh, inconsequential in size. I was very aware that my Melrose Michaels brand didn't have any leverage. It barely existed. (laughs) So, however, what I did have leverage in was in my offer. It was my business and marketing skills. That is a mainstream skill set that I had built long before I came into adult. So what I did was I opted to supplement the shortcoming of my brand and audience in exchange for the value I could add by doing their social media marketing. This allowed me to build a relationship with the company and it gave me room to demonstrate that they could trust me, that I was reliable, that I was competent, etc. I took on every additional role that that company would give me And it got to a point where I was kind of wearing eight different hats or working eight different roles for that company. Was I overworked? Absolutely. But it was completely by choice. Was I underpaid? Mm, Only once I had provided a certain value that I knew would make me indispensable to that company. A year plus later, maybe it was two years, I'm not exactly sure. I was with them for a while. When it came time to renegotiate my roles in the company and my value, I was able to negotiate a salary eight times higher my previous monthly salary because of the value the company saw in me and because I brought different things in various aspects. So for those who are counting, that means going from 3K a month to over 24K a month. But it took me one year plus of doing the hard, boring, overworked work to demonstrate my value, build the relationships and give everything I could to all of those roles within the company. So I delayed gratification, I proved my my value And I built relationships and that's kind of what got me there. So that all being said, this is the importance of building relationships, but I'm sure some of you are wondering like, okay, well, what happened? (laughs) So for those who do wonder why I left, um, because I'm sure some of you are, the answer is just simple. I felt like I'd learned as much as I could from that particular, you know, role and in path in my career. And then the only way I could provide more value for my community, which is kind of what I was trying to do there and what my role was there, was to go off on my own and have the freedom to speak to you know, every platform in the industry and not just the platform I was representing or being an ambassador to. And for the record, leaving that salary (laughs) was one of the hardest things I'd ever done, not only because I didn't know if I'd be able to recreate that on my own, but because I'd grown, you know, my own brands massively alongside their platform in both my fans as well as the model community that was now familiar with me because I'd been able to help them with their platform. So that ambassadorship helped my career 10 times over. And if I had to do it all over again, I absolutely would in a heartbeat. I still have a phenomenal relationship with that company and I'm fairly confident that you'll even be seeing them work more closely with Sexwork CEO in the future as well. But all of this to say, again, relationships really, really matter. You can't build good business relationships without this next skill, which is active listening. Active listening is vital to any negotiation, and it not only just shows you know respect, but it helps you understand the other party's perspective, and this can help lead to creative solutions. So when you're actively listening, you're more likely to find common ground and also reach a beneficial agreement that's mutually beneficial. For this example, let's highlight that idea of a company approaching you to sell something on their behalf. Say they want you to help sell their line of sex toys to other creators in the industry. When you're talking to this company, 
you are actively listening to them describe their needs and their circumstances. So they tell you that they're a new company, they are quite small in size, and they don't have a huge marketing budget to work with. But they'd like to collaborate with you and help you get their sex toys out to more creators. What do you do next? Do you ask to be a brand ambassador to them? Probably not. As they said, they don't have a massive budget and you as a creator likely don't have a huge audience of other creators, but more likely a huge audience of fans. So it might not be the right audience for that. So do you try to negotiate terms for a salary to just promote them monthly, say on your socials? Wrong again, because for pretty much the exact same reasons, you having a fan audience as opposed to a creator one, your salary would likely be more than the sales you could drive for them. So then what should you do? Well, if you're listening to what they've described to you, you know that they don't have a lot of money to play with. So the best route would be to strike a commission or an affiliate type deal with them, where say you get paid 5% of all the sales you drive to them, either with like a tracking link that attributes 5% of the sale automatically to you, or even with some sort of coupon code that creators could use at checkout. This type of deal demonstrates that you hear the company and what they need, which sounds like sales, and that you're willing to be compensated on what you can actually contribute to their goal. A lot of deals are killed because one party isn't actively listening to the other, but rather they're concerned with just cleaning up cash. And oftentimes that other party simply doesn't even have that cash to offer. This is where this next part of the strategy comes in. And that is being flexible, but being firm. While it's super important to be flexible during negotiations, you also don't wanna compromise on your core values your quantifiable value, or your goals. Be prepared to, yes, make concessions, but know your boundaries and stand firm when it's necessary. So a successful negotiation involves, of course, give and take, but don't be afraid to ask for concessions in return for those that you might be making. It took a lot for me to really get comfortable with asking for what I wanted in negotiations, um, but when I realized that I could clearly just point to evidence of why I'm worth XYZ or why XYZ makes sense, to to establish with me you know maybe that's in terms of data experience your track record with other companies whatever that evidence is it makes this negotiation process easier to do just the other day i was negotiating an affiliate deal for a sex work ceo with a company that agreed to pay x amount for every creator that clicked one of our links and signed up for whatever their offer was this company's offer so for transparency, uh, affiliate offers is one of the ways that I'm able to do everything here at Sexwork CEO. So please use our links. It really goes a long way. That's how we keep things free for creators. Um, everything else I have to fund off my own labor as a creator. So that company asked me to film a video using their product. So like a course using their product after we had agreed to the affiliate link terms. And this is what I replied. Filming a course is actually a separate cost. And for, um, I guess, context here, each video I film for Sex Work CEO in terms of editing and production cost me about $1,500 to $2,000 to produce. Um, so that is why this is a separate cost. So this company replied, well, that video will drive affiliate sales from creators who use your link to sign up the platform. Meaning if you make this video and you have your affiliate link in the description and creators click it, you're still getting paid X amount for every person that signs up for our thing. So they thought me having to create this video was justified because I would make sales off of the affiliate link. This is a very standard response. Most companies don't typically understand all of the ways creators and content provide additional value to them. So you have to be willing to outline that and communicate it clearly. This is being flexible as I was a flexible, you know, very flexible in our terms of negotiation on the affiliate 
link in the percentage of rev share. But now I need to be firm as I am in the terms of the content negotiation. So this is what I replied. Actually, I could drive affiliate sales just by explaining why I personally use and believe in your service, say in a Twitter thread or in our newsletter, because I do genuinely believe and use your service. However, filming and producing an entire course video, which your company will then share and reshare for marketing value, is an entirely separate thing. It becomes a digital asset and it strengthens your company's marketing, none of which I need to do to drive my own affiliate sales. Then they provided the email of who to invoice for the cost of the course video. So not because I'm cunning or clever, but rather because I clearly communicated the value of this additional piece and I was firm about it. A lot of people feel that negotiation is really about, you know, this persuasion aspect. And I actually believe that's the smallest fraction of the art. Persuasion and persuasive communication, yeah, it's key to a negotiation, of course, but you can use, you know, storytelling, data, and examples to support your points and appeal to the other party's emotion and logic, and then just craft compelling arguments. You'll be better positioned to achieve your desired outcomes that way. This is why earlier I spoke about you joining Shoutout Express as an example, because this way you'll have public data to point to. You'll have evidence to utilize in negotiations. I can also use a story of my track record with past companies and the successful collaborations we've had to influence a deal to come to terms. Why? Because if I've done it for someone else and this new place or company has the same desired outcome that I'm negotiating for, they'll be that much more likely to come to terms with me if I can say, hey, I actually did this for XYZ and they got this result and that's what you're looking for. If you really want to crash course um, in the art of persuasion, I do highly recommend a book called Influence, the Psychology of Persuasion by Robert Caldini. It's a fantastic read and there are so many tips and tricks there to help with sales, marketing, and of course, even negotiation. So again, that book is Influence, The Psychology of Persuasion by Robert Caldini. I think that this next piece of negotiation advice kind of should go without saying, but I don't see it implemented super often. So I do want to make sure I speak on it. That is to always maintain a professional attitude. I have, like so many of you have or will at some point, been very unhappy with an outcome in business during the last decade I've been in this industry. Things do not always go my way, uh, no matter how good I am or how good I think I am. Um, but that being said, you being reactive or emotionally driven in those situations is a fatal flaw in business. You need to keep your professional attitude despite the outcome of your negotiation. This also, it, it pertains to fans too. If a fan ends up not buying your custom video because you couldn't come to terms, there's no need to go off on that fan or call him broke or freeloader or any of this because that fan will likely spend some amount of money in the future if they're already considering a high ticket item like a custom video, but you don't need to ruin the relationship to try to achieve that. It's not going to be effective. So again, being reactive is a fatal flaw in business. Being um, professional is going to go a lot further. It's going to get you more money, more sales, more everything. If you can just keep emotion separate from the outcome of whatever negotiation is. This is especially true in our industry as it's made up of a relatively small group of people who all talk, who all work together in some capacity, and will all be aware of your reputation, whatever it may end up being. So always approach negotiations with professionalism, regardless of the other party's behavior, you know, and dis despite of how they are treating you. Stay calm, composed, respectful, even in challenging situations. 
Business is a absolute long game. It is a chessboard that you are navigating. And also, I would suggest moving in silence. You know, take your L's when you have them. Learn your lessons that you may be needing to be taught, especially the uncomfortable ones, and keep working towards your goal. Your demeanor can really set the tone for the entire trajectory of your career, including future negotiations, and it can influence future outcomes as well. So this next part is all about preparing for objections. When you're negotiating, there is going to absolutely be objections, whether it is a fan objecting to your price or a company objecting to your salary for an ambassadorship or a product or service objecting to the commission or affiliate structure that you're asking for. You need to be prepared for these objections and also have responses ready. This is part of negotiating. Anticipating potential objections or concerns from the other party and preparing well thought out responses for those objections. This will demonstrate your understanding of their needs and showcase your commitment to finding a mutually beneficial solution. When a fan objects to the price of a custom, you demonstrate you understand where they're coming from and you offer them a new compromised solution that still gets them and you what you guys want. When a company objects to you being their brand ambassador, you can validate the fact that, yeah, maybe my audience isn't of creators or maybe I'm not, I'm not as large of a creator as you would like as a brand ambassador, but I can compensate that with my marketing experience to supplement additional value to your platform or company. When a product or service objects to how you pitch selling their thing, whatever it might be, you can validate their objection and say, I understand that you don't have a lot of money to spend or you don't want to come out of pocket to work with me. And you can provide a solution to overcome it by basing what you're paid off of the value you bring that company and sales alone. You shouldn't enter a negotiation without proactively thinking about what other objections that company service platform might have and also crafting solutions to overcome them prior to the conversation or to the call that you're going to take with them. Objections are a part of life and overcoming them is really how you close deals. So once you reach an agreement, you express gratitude and confirm all of the key terms in writing. This will help you obviously avoid any misunderstandings or miscommunications and ensure smooth transition into the next phase of your collaboration on whatever the project might be. But it will also clearly outline the expectations of both parties so that you know what you're being expected to deliver on and when, and also what the other party is expected to deliver on and when. So getting those things in writing is just going to help nurture a long-term business relationship because nothing gets left up to chance or to be unclear. It's all there in black and white to reference by either party at any time. So mastering the art of negotiation can obviously open doors for new opportunities and help you secure better deals as a content creator. But if done carelessly, it can also close them. So by following the strategies outlined in today's space, I hope that you feel well-equipped to navigate the complex world of negotiations and emerge with more rewarding collaborations and partnerships. And remember, again, the biggest takeaways. The one who controls the terms controls the deals and good negotiation leaves both parties walking away happy. Now I'm going to start opening this up for any questions or comments or insights or anything you guys want to come up and speak to or speak about. Um, And then while you guys are raising your hand and I'll start bringing you up, I'm just going to go over this last part of our space and also 
promote next week's space in the meantime. Again, if you're not subscribed to our YouTube channel, please do that. It is youtube.com forward slash SWCEO and make sure to turn on the bell for notifications. I hope that you guys got some value out of this one. I worked really hard on it. Um, I tried to pull from real life, you know, experiences that I've actually encountered or actually had. So hopefully that kind of, you know, made things interesting or, or easy to digest. Um, but all right, we have one creator coming up, our bombshell. Let me bring you up here, darling. Hold on a sec. I'm adding you as speaker. Welcome, welcome. Oh, hello. Hi. Hello. Hi. Um, well, I'm Bougie, and I just wanted to ask a question whenever you might you're going to be ready to answer them. I don't want to. Yeah, go for it. No, go for it. Okay. So I kind of came in the space a little bit late. And um, I'm not sure if I caught most of it or the tail end of you um, talking about negotiating prices as far as like customs and, you know, things of that nature. So my question is, I'm having a hard time trying to figure out what to price things as. And I think that's like where I get stuck. Um, in addition to that, what I do is I, I try to be more user friendly. Like I, I kind of cater to the people who, you know, I'm not trying to, you know, charge a astronomical amount, but I want to be fair to myself. And I'm having an extremely hard time with that. Okay. So when you're talking about pricing, are you talking about like the cost of say a fan site or a cost of a clip on a clip store or a cost of like a PPV and DMs? Um, initially I'll say um, like PPV, uh, PPV and the DM. You know, if they're like, oh, I want a custom for like five minutes. I know you said something about 200. I'm like, oh, maybe I'm undercharging. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's going to depend on your audience size. And also like, like, I like to think of pricing as um, how much like for your time, right? So like a, an hour of your time, how much do you make on average for an hour of your, your working hour? And then how much time making that customized thing for that fan is going to take you know, from you to create so that you're compensated the same working hour, regardless of what you're creating. But um, in terms of PPV, if it's if it's custom related, that's going to be a little bit harder to kind of diagnose because it's going to depend on the kind of custom, the crazy right. thing they might be asking for, whatever it might be. But for general PPV, what I like to do is I'll split test. So what you can do, especially if you're an OnlyFans creator, um, and I'm sure other platforms have this capability, is you have the the lists where you can add fans to certain lists. Mm -hmm. So you can add half of your active fan base to one list and call it, you know, group A, and add, add the other half of your fan base to another list and call it group B. This way that you can split test your price points and see what gets you results. So say tonight you send out a locked PPV, and you send it to the A list um, of fans for $4.99 to unlock. And then you send the same exact PPV to a mass message to your B list for $6.99 to unlock. And then you see which one got more unlocks, and that will start to help you gauge your price points. Another thing you can do, in addition with just that kind of testing and split testing between lists, is there's actually software available now. One of the pieces of software is um, OF Buddy. OF Buddy will also help you with pricing data to kind of give you an idea of what price points to price things at. So there's soft softwares out there that can help with that as well. But ultimately, it's going to be just a testing kind of process. When I'm sending things in PPV um, DM, what I like to do is, on average, I'll price it a dollar per minute of the length of content. So if it's like a five-minute video, five minutes, $5, and then I add .99 cents at the end. Just psychology, I can get an extra 99 cents, so I go for it. Um, so that's a good rule of thumb as well that you can use just to get started. Well, thank you so much. That's actually really helpful, especially I didn't know about OF Buddy. 
that's kind of exactly mm-hmm. what I'm looking for is like, you know, what's the average, you know, so I can stay reasonable. Absolutely. Another great perk of OF Buddy is um, you can send priority messages. So if you're an OnlyFans user, you have like the unread message tab, then you have the priority message tab. Mm-hmm. And OF Buddy actually pushes your PPV or your mass message into their priority tab and it increases your open rates as well. So that's a great tool. Okay. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate you. Of course. No problem. I'm going to bring up Miss Vicky here next. All right. You should be available to speak, Miss Vicky. Do you hear me? Yes. Okay. Hi. Um, I have a question in regards to brand ambassador. Um, the other mm-hmm. day I had this company on Instagram. They were posting that they were looking for brand ambassador and I applied because they are kink friendly, sex work friendly and you know, um, inclusivity and all that stuff. For me that's important. So mm-hmm. when they sent me the information, I was reading all the details and all that stuff and it seems that I have to like buy their merchandise in order to start being an ambassador they don't offer me um any type of payment they don't offer me basically nothing (laughs) um I, I don't know if that's normal I don't know if I can countered that um yeah this is a this happens all the time i I don't want to interrupt you i'm just passionate about this one because it kind of frustrates me to be honest um i see a lot of you know dms i get i get some of these too where it's coming from a company typically a small company i've never really heard of or i don't hear much about but it can be pretty much anyone these days well they'll, they'll offer you what they call a brand ambassadorship but it doesn't have any compensation it doesn't have any commission it and typically what they will ask is for you to purchase something from them or to provide value to them. And what I would say to that or about that is that's not a true ambassadorship. That's not a true um, structured deal in your favor by any means. Okay. They're just trying to get someone to, you know, represent their brand, wear their merch. And it sounds like charge you to do it, um, which no matter the size you are as a creator, if you're little, if you're new, if you're big, if you're whatever, you shouldn't be charged to wear something for anyone. If anything, it should be a trade where they supply you merch at the bare minimum and then you've their brand, especially if you're a smaller creator just getting started out. That's That happens all the time. I think that's fair. But for them to ask you to purchase something to represent them, I think that's kind of ludicrous personally. Right. I was like, uh, oh, wait, I have to buy in order to be the ambassador? Um, mm-hmm. hmm. <laughs> and I literally, that happened literally when you post that you were doing this space this today is like you know what let me wait <laughs> i'm so glad i'm so glad <laughs> see that how time can i hurt. reply because to <laughs> be honest i mean it's cool being a brand, brand brand ambassador and all that stuff but then if i'm buying what is the value because all the following that i have in my instagram but uh, that was all me Exactly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> exactly. So you could, uh, I would suggest negotiating. See, and this is the thing. I think most creators get stuck where they feel that they can't counter offer or counter negotiate. You absolutely can and should counter something unless it's a really great, you know, benefit to you off the bat, mm-hmm. which is unlikely. Um, you should be countering. And even if if the counter offer is just like, hey, if you send me merchandise for free then yeah, I will post wearing it and I will tag your, you know, your company's Instagram or whatever. Because even a a trade is still good. Like, you Mm -hmm. know, creators do content trades. That's very normal. You can trade value. 
But to say that you should be purchase, purchasing something to promote them, um, I would decline that offer. But again, you can you can definitely counter them and be like, well, if you're going to send me merch for free because I, I am on your platform, I do love what you stand for, I'd be happy to represent it. Um, but definitely counter. <laughs> okay, awesome. Thank you. You're very welcome. Let me bring up Caroline, my cosplay friend. I'm adding you a speaker. Hello. Hi. Hi. Uh, God, I'm awkward. Sorry. <laughs> It's <laughs> not awkward, adorable. Welcome, welcome. Uh, hello. Yes, hello. Oh, oh my god. Anyways, I'm nervous. Anyways, um, my question is, and I don't know if anybody else can relate this, right? So I'm kind of a noob, and okay. I find that my issue is I'm too nice, <laughs> and I feel like I can be kind of a pushover, and I don't. I don't know how to explain it, but I don't know, maybe somebody here can relate, but have you ever been in a situation where a customer kind of doesn't know how to take no for an answer? Like you set a price and then they'll shame you for having that price. You know, you know what I'm trying to say? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I get these, I probably still get these even now that I've been in the industry for, you know, 11 plus years, I probably get one of these a week at least still where I will tell the customer or the fan, like, my customs are X, you know, X dollars per minute. And they tell me that it's not worth it. They can go to another creator and pay, you know, $50 for a 10-minute custom. Mm -hmm. And that happens all the time. So once you've kind of established your market value, and and this is going to take time to do. So this is going to take testing. This is going to take a little bit of runway to feel out your audience. So, you know, let me back up. Are you primarily like a cam creator, a clip creator, a fan site performer? What, what do you primarily do? Um, right now I'm just doing photos and then I plan on working my way up to potentially doing videos. So right now my strategy is I'm kind of testing the waters and then kind of moving up, if that makes okay. sense. Because yeah. I'm... Cause I'm I'm a plus size girly, I and I get a little self conscious sometimes, and being on camera is kind of an issue for me. So I I'm right now kind of actively trying to work on that aspect okay. of being in the industry. Sure. Um, yeah, I I would say um, that was a question: is how to not. Because, like, I want to be nice. Like, I, I don't want to be rude or offensive or make mm-hmm. it feel less than. Like, that's not my intention. But at the okay. same time, I want to stay true to myself. And I don't want, if anything, I feel like I undercharge. I keep everything under, like, $10. I, I, I'm, I'm too nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, that's, that's really common, especially when you're first starting out. Because you don't really have anything to reference for for what you're doing, right? There's not a big library of content to compare to. You haven't made years worth of sales to know what people will and won't pay for or like what that threshold is where you are close to getting the the most earning potential out of the content without losing the fan to not purchase it at all. So those are going to be things that take time to feel out. What I will say is because you're primarily photos based right now um, in terms of content, and you don't have kind of that guide of like maybe a dollar, 50 cents or a dollar per minute of the length of a video, for example, what you can do is I would test. So if you can sell, you know, two thirds of your audience something and they unlock it or they pay for it, that's a good indicator that you're priced pretty much correctly. So like out of, let's say 30 people, 
that you talk to on, say, an OnlyFans or in your Twitter DMs, wherever you're selling stuff, um, whatever platforms you're on. If out of 30 people, 20 people are paying for the thing, then you're either priced right or you're priced slightly low. But that's kind of a good ratio, two out of three, to know where where the right price point is. And also, this is going to come to testing. So some, every fan has a different budget. Um, and you want the money from the fan over the zero dollars if they can't pay for it genuinely, right? So you don't want to lose sales if you can help it. Mm-hmm. But if you're sending something for a fan to unlock, say, a, fo- a single photo for $10, um, and they don't unlock it, you know that that price point didn't work for them. So you can make a note of that. Like if you are on OnlyFans, for example, open up their notes, right? Sold them a $10 PPV, they didn't open it. And then the next time you go to send a PPV to that user, price it lower. Try $7.99 for that picture. See if they unlock it. And if they're just not unlocking anything, they're probably just not in a position to be spending money. And I wouldn't send them content anymore. I would just, you know, a little bit of conversation here and there. Don't let them waste your time, but keep them engaged. Um, and you can always ask fans too. This goes for everyone listening. If they're not spending the way you'd like them to be spending, don't write them off as a freeloader. I, I highly don't love that philosophy in our industry. But instead, ask them for other things. Hey, I know you can't support me with unlocking content, but can you go spam like my posts on my feed? Or can you go follow me on all my socials? Like that would be really, really helpful to me. And it would make me feel supported as a creator. So there's other things you can ask for too if, if they just can't spend money. Um, but I would start with testing. Send a PPV or send your content, your picks out for a price point. See how the unlock ratio goes across a small pool of audience or pool of fans. And then adjust it compared to how the unlocks are going or how the you know the purchase rate is going. But two out of three is, is a pretty good average in terms of conversion. Right. And... Um... Okay, that totally makes sense. Um, and one more question, if that's okay. And I'm, I'm trying to do my best to word it. So when it comes to self-image, you know, I'm not exactly the best person. And I often correlate personal self-worth to how, what I charge on my OnlyFans. Like, I have kind of a messed up logic in my brain, and this is only for me, um, that... Um, because I'm plus size, therefore I'm not as valuable as let's say person A. And so I was just kind of wondering if you had any advice for maybe somebody who is feeling that way, who may, I don't know if that would be considered kind of a personal question, but how do you navigate those feelings of, I don't feel worthy enough to charge this price because I'm in X category or I'm in this category or I'm in the other category. You know what I mean? No, I, so this is what I'll say, because I want to preface this to be as, um, as I guess, transparent as possible. Obviously, that's not something I've experienced in the same way you have. I have kind of the flip side experience. I came into this industry um, with an extreme uh, psychological eating disorder and a long history of needing a lot of help for my own issues with body image. Um, So I do want to kind of put that disclaimer out there. But I think that our industry, a lot of creators, no matter what lane they fall into, struggle with not feeling, especially in the beginning, not feeling worthy of whatever they're charging, whether that's the color of their skin, whether that's their body type, whether that's their gender, whether, you know, whatever intersectionality that they're at within our space. And everyone's going to have a unique experience with that and their own experience with that. So I certainly can't speak to every lens. And I do want to put that out there. But I think creators, especially new coming into the industry, 
we all are at a certain point in our career in the very beginning where we're like, I can't believe someone's paying to see me. <laughs> like It's like, I remember that so vividly when I first got into this air, this industry, I was on webcam and people were tipping me to like show my boobs. And I was like, you're going to pay me $50 to see my boobs for 10 seconds. That's wild, but sure thing. Um, and I think as you kind of start to get comfortable with this idea of the industry and, and how it works and money for your image, you start to find ways to come to terms with the things you dislike about yourself. And I think that takes a lot of personal work. What I will say is for you with your concerns about, you know, being a like maybe BBW performer or type of creator, some of those creators are the top earning creators in our industry right now. So you should not feel less worthy than any other creator due to body type or or any difference because those things that are unique to you are also your superpowers. They're what set you apart. They're what are going to attract people to you. Um, I do find that this industry is kind of neat in the way it filters out the people that don't want you and filters the people that will love you directly to you. And that's not always going to be true. There's going to be people who just come out here to troll and hate and be cruel. And that happens. Um, and that happens at different rates for different performers, for sure. But when right. you you know, are attracting an audience because you're putting out content that you love and you feel beautiful with, and that, that'll take you time to get there. It took me a long time to get to that place. But once you do get there, the audience you attract and the fan base you build falls in love with you for exactly what you are. So right. that's going to happen organically. I would just work on while you're still new and you're kind of getting your toes wet, finding the things about yourself that help you fall in love with yourself because that translates really well into film and video content especially and that being said too I will add this last caveat just because this is my personal experience um when I got into the industry uh like I said I had a major eating disorder to a point where I literally um this is totally unprivileged speaking but I had five doctors um because my mom's a psycho to (laughs) make sure I was staying alive so I had a nutritionist uh, a psychologist a psychiatrist um, a regular, you know, primary care doctor, and I was in uh, more hours of therapy than work at one point. So with that, I was doing that almost at the exact same time I decided to get into the industry. And I was really afraid because I couldn't fathom how putting my body on display could impact my mental health and where I was in my own journey at that time. But because I did it in a, a webcam setting, and I really I, I feel strongly about this, When you're on live webcam, it is the scariest thing for someone with body image and mental health issues because you hate to see yourself in real time, um, almost in that kind of mirror-like way uh, that live cam is. But at the same time, what I had was a chat room full of people telling me that they loved X, Y, and Z about my body, about my face, about my hair, about my, you know, whatever it was. And it kind of, this chat room served as a positive feedback loop to the negative one that I was hearing play in my head when I saw the screen and I saw myself on camera. To be honest with you, like that was probably one of the best experiences of my life was getting into the adult industry via webcam because I had this positive feedback loop in chat that was negating my negative one in my head. That, that was my experience. Yeah, so moral of the story is your biggest insecurity is someone else's turn on. <laughs> you know, 100%. You know that, yeah. that quote is like, you're not everyone's cup of tea or someone's cup of whiskey or whatever? It's totally that. Yeah. <laughs> totally. And um, before I go, I just want to say um, thank you for being brave and sharing your story. You seem like a very 
beautiful and intelligent person. You seem very wise and you know what you're talking about. I think you're going to go on and do amazing things and you sound like the baddest bitch on the block. And I told <laughs> friend, but oh, see, even your laugh is beautiful. Oh my God. God, God. <laughs> You didn't make me sure. That was really sweet. Thank this you. There, but anyway, I love you all so much. Thank you so much. Listening Thank, you. To <laughs> Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Oh, you all, you guys making this about me? I'm gonna cry. <laughs> um. Okay. So I think that was beautiful. I want to end there. If that's okay with everyone, we ran a little bit long. I'm trying to keep these things short, but it's really hard. I love talking to y'all. Um. So okay, I just want to wrap this up and say that. While this does bring us to the end of today's space, um, make sure you join us next week for a Twitter space dedicated entirely to Sex Panthers. So whether you have questions next week about the courses themselves, want me to elaborate on any of the tips or tricks in them, or just want to share like some of your own results from the courses or tips that maybe you have on the platform if you're active, excuse me, um, then we can just do that and this provide, you know, insight on the platform and how it can be a good pillar for your creator business, um, or just answer any questions that maybe I, you know, am oblivious that I was unclear about, because I'm sure that can happen too. So that being said, thank you so much for hanging out with me. I really appreciate all of you and your beautiful words and your feedback and the value you guys provided. It would be absolutely incredible if you rated this podcast five stars and left a little review, we want to get this podcast to as many adult creators as possible. And you taking a second to leave a couple stars and a review really helps us do that. Thanks so much. Who misses free and affordable ads without the anti-sex work rhetoric? Assembly 4 is a team of sex workers and technologists from Melbourne, Australia, aiming to bring back free and fair advertising to the sex work community. They also give back to organizations based in harm reduction, sex work, and education. Stepping away from the clunky design of traditional platforms, their platform, Trist.link, is a refreshing and well-needed change in both presentation and mission. It's free to join and open to all. In the words of an A4 user, from the policies to the language to the advice and tips, it makes such a big difference to feel supported and encouraged instead of policed.